Welcome to PNC C-Speak, the language of executives. I'm John Bernstein, Regional President of PNC Bank of New England, alongside my co-host, Carolyn Jones, publisher of the Boston Business Journal. Thanks, John. It's great to be with you on PNC C-Speak. Each podcast features local executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge sharing platform showcases leaders with forward thinking approaches that disrupt the status quo and cause us all to think differently. We're here today with Brian DeCaro, Chief Executive Officer and President and Director of Sherlock Biosciences. Brian, we're so pleased to have you join us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, uh, Carolyn and John. I appreciate the invite. Great to, to speak with you. We'd love to hear a little bit about yourself. And so I thought for our listeners who might not be totally familiar with Sherlock Biosciences, maybe you can share a little bit more about its products and its mission, and then a little bit about you. Now, let me start with mission. I, you know, at Sherlock Bioscience, we're really decentralizing and democratizing DNA and RNA detection and testing. You know, DNA is everywhere. In fact, I don't know if you've read recently where you know, they looked, dug up fossils where fossils were and in the soil they could detect DNA, or they're looking for COVID variants in the sewer streams. You know, DNA is everywhere. And, you know, the ability for anybody to detect it wherever they are is important and really to empower people. It's a very big mission that we have at Sherlock as a platform enabling this decentralization and democratization of testing. But we're focused first on healthcare, really meeting people where they are, bringing to the point of need, diagnostic answers to the patients, and really letting them take control of their healthcare decisions. We're really focused on people. And when we think about people and DNA, we're thinking about you know, their children, their loved ones, their crops in their field, their livestock. You know, it's not just health of yourself. It's health of so many different things that impact our life. And that's what we're focused on first. And we really think we're going to bring the healthcare convenience revolution to healthcare. We've seen a lot of convenience with things like Amazon or Netflix with retail or Uber with transportation. And as Sherlock, we have a platform that starts with enabling people to access DNA anywhere they are and understanding what that is. And so we feel like that platform will bring the convenience revolution to healthcare because every healthcare journey starts with diagnosis. It's an amazing company and the people in it are just amazing looking at all of your experiences. Just share us a little bit about yourself, maybe uh, two or three things that people would say uh, about you. Yeah, before I even talk about myself, you know, one thing I'm amiss about saying about Sherlock in general is how do we do that with our products? And, you know, Sherlock has had great technology from the Beast Institute, from the Broad Institute. We have the use of CRISPR for diagnostics. We have the use of synthetic biology and paper-based diagnostics from the Beast Institute. And these are two technical advances that we exclusively license in the Sherlock that enable that detection of DNA at ambient temperature without any power or any plug-in or heat that you can just put a sample in and get an answer about DNA anywhere, like a pregnancy test, but with the accuracy of PCR. And uh, I hope we'll talk later about how that accuracy matters, but that is what's enabling this decentralization, democratization, is, is these two powerful chemistries, CRISPR and synthetic biology from Broden and the Beast Institute. So, uh, you know, a little bit about myself, I'm a, uh, a geneticist by training, and uh, I've always been looking at how do we harness genetics to actually let people learn most about themselves. I've been in the diagnostic field for 28 years, really you know, working on understanding that content of DNA and then bringing it to the people uh, so that they can access it, understand it, and use it for their day-to-day decisions. And uh, that's kind of what drives me and what I'm passionate about. 
So it's interesting, you know, one thing people would say about myself is that I'm disruptive. And, uh, and whether that's like as a kid, you're disruptive in school. <laughs> I, don't know if I was a little bit, maybe because I was, you know, often uh, bored or wanted to learn different things, but disruptive in changing the status quo, changing what we do. In fact, um, some folks uh, uh, in our office here created a little picture of Top Gun Maverick. They call me the polite Maverick to put my, my, my face on that. But that's really what I, I've always wanted to be, is like a maverick changing the way we're doing things out there. A couple other things that I always used to describe myself as transparent. I really believe in being open, being like sharing as much as you can with as many people as possible, because with everybody in the know, you're going to get a lot more done. And then, you know, thinking about like leaders and books like Who's in uh, Posner, for example, with the Leadership Challenge, and not just transparency, but also forward thinking. I always describe myself as forward thinking. As Wayne Gretzky said, like, skate to where the puck is going. Like, think about where you need to be, not where you are, and then figure out how to get there. Like the hockey reference. Perfect cue to John. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Carolyn. Ryan, these are times like another. You recently joined Sherlock, a company that was named by Fast Co's as one of the next big things in tech. As you look ahead, what are you optimistic about and what worries you? I'm optimistic. Yeah, I mean, we've gone through the pandemic recently, right? And so I'm optimistic that people have actually realized the power of diagnostics. Oftentimes, we've always heard about medications, therapeutics. Pharma has gotten a lot of attention about solving problems. But, you know, in my past, what I realized was if you diagnose something like cancer early, you can have a surgery that would actually cure your cancer. You don't need treatments. And so the beginning of every journey is the diagnosis and getting it as early as possible and, and wherever people are. And so what I'm hopeful right now is, is that the pandemic has kind of changed how people think about diagnosis. They, they want them. They want them at home. They want them wherever they are. And they understand what to do with that information. And so that's kind of what I'm actually optimistic about. One of the things that constantly worries me as I think about the future is often the paternalistic nature of our regulatory system. And our regulatory system is very important. It, it makes sure that we have safe products on the market. And, and so I'm a very, I think it's a very important thing to have. But oftentimes we need to, you know, realize that people can use information appropriately. And a lot of people don't want to go into a doctor's office to find out what they have. They may not even trust physicians. And so uh, if you're actually able to find out what you have, you will then decide what to do with that information, like enter that healthcare system. And so I worry that sometimes our regulatory agencies will, will, will not allow testing to be done because they worry about what will people do with that information. But from a population health point of view, you know, it's important that people know what they have. Right now, one in seven people with an STI won't even want to go to the OBGYN or find out about that information. But if they could find out by buying a test on Amazon or buying a test at the pharmacy, finding out that they have an STI, I'm sure they would then go get treated. And so, you know, it, really you're going to help more of the population by having information in their hands. Right now, STIs are on the rise uh, in the U.S., higher prevalence. And I would imagine that if we actually diagnose more people, we could actually get that under control. That's fascinating. You know, you talked a little bit about the pandemic and and. Obviously, it's part of every conversation we're having. So how would you say the events of the recent years, have they influenced or perhaps shifted how you lead and, and the way you look at things? I think we had to take a non-traditional approach. When COVID hit, everybody took a non-traditional approach to solving the problem. Pharma did like phase two and phase three simultaneously plus manufacturing, which is normally what you want to do. Or And, you know, I think that's 
when it comes to diagnostic development, I think the goal was we need to get something out. We need to get it out fast and we don't need to take a traditional approach. We just need to do a quality job, but make sure that we are just having that, that as I said, the end in mind, the goal, the urgency and getting it done. But I also think there's another issue, which is whatever you make needs to solve a customer's need, right? And so like we at Sherlock, we developed the very first FDA authorized CRISPR use ever when we actually built our CRISPR diagnostic kit for COVID. I will be honest, like one of the challenges we had with that first kit was it was like a two and a half hour test that advanced laboratory staff needed to do. And it really couldn't compete against something like PCR. So it was great that we did that uh, because it was a great milestone for ourselves as a company. But actually the end product, that particular end product, didn't meet the demand of the customer. And so I think it's important that you always still make sure that you're going to address a demand and that you wow somebody with a product that you develop. That is key. And if you find out that you quickly can't do something that's going to wow that customer, then don't lose focus on what you currently were doing as well. A lot of people shifted focus, shifted strategy. But then, you know, as a company, as, as the pandemic wanes down, where are you as a company? Where are you with your strategy? So you need to make sure that you progress both, not just one thing. What are your leadership guideposts, the best advice that you've been given, perhaps, or lessons that you picked up throughout your career? And what piece of advice do you lean on no matter what? You know, when I think about companies, like I just joined Sherlock six months ago, what I think about companies is you need to come in fresh, with fresh eyes, and ask yourself, what truly differentiates us from all other companies? And make sure that's what you focus on. And when I came into Sherlock, I realized that we are able to do you know, power-free ambient temperature diagnosis of two chemistries on paper with no power, with PCR-level accuracy. And I realized like, that's where we need to focus. Like, Let's not focus on point-of-care devices or high-complex laboratories like Quest or LabCorp. We can help them. But let's focus where we're differentiated, which is outside of the healthcare system, you know, in a tent in sub-Saharan Africa, in a rainforest of Brazil, you know, in your handbag or your suitcase when you're traveling. That's what you want something that doesn't plug into anything that's really simple to use that gives you an answer. And that's what we have that no one else has. So I would say focus on differentiation, like truly understand what differentiates you and I. And if you're not differentiated then, you know, you better try to go fast to market because because you're going to have a lot of competition. But if you're differentiated, make sure you get it right uh, as you move into, into the market is important. And then the other thing I, I feel is important is, you know, meeting people where they are. Don't try to change your customers to be wanting your product. Instead, make sure that you're actually bringing a product that the customer wants that, that meets that, that, that demand. For example, um, in my previous role as head of development at Myriad, I realized that we have these non-invasive prenatal screens that are done by OBGYNs. And the reason that the, the, the OBGYN does this test is because they want to find out whether your child might have Down syndrome, which is really important to find out. But the biggest driver of the patient for wanting that test is because it happens at eight weeks and they find out the gender of their child at eight weeks. And so the medical community is like against the fact that people want to learn gender but actually, if you embrace the fact that the parents want to learn the gender at eight weeks, you can also give them very important health information like Down syndrome at the same time. So don't try to change their mind about why they want it. Just kind of meet them where they are and bring more to the table for that customer at the same time. 
And what leadership lessons can you share that might be instructive to your peers or to the next generation of executives? I learned this a lot when uh, you have consultants like McKinsey or Bain or other people that come into your company. And what they do in these big companies, it happened to me when I was at Pfizer, it happened to me at Marriott and other places. They come into the company and what they do is they ask all the employees, what's the problem with the company? What would you do differently? And then they just package up predominantly the answers of all the employees back to the leadership and say, here's what you should be doing as a company. And I always laugh when I saw that because that's the lesson I tell every C-suite person to anybody is listen to your employees, ask them what we should do differently. All the answers predominantly of what you need to do to be successful probably reside in your company. If you would just ask people for their advice and listen to it, that's my number one recommendation. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about your thoughts on life sciences in a moment, but maybe you can just talk a little bit about your experiences, both as a new leader and in your past experiences developing products and people. What's kind of some of the core things that you use in developing those kind of strategies? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, they're very different from product to people. On the product side, I'm, I really feel like you need to, I've been developing products, you know, in the diagnostic space for years and you have to, number one, understand what the unmet need is, what is really not being solved today. And then you need to look to solve that problem. And, and the solution has to have an action. Like you can give people information, but if that information is not actionable and you can't do something with it, then you shouldn't be working on that particular problem. And so that's how I think about development. Make sure that you're always solving a problem and that the, and that the, the information can, can take an action and also monitor whether that's changing over time. Because if it changes, you might need to pivot. You might need to do something differently. A lot of times people have great scientific technical breakthroughs and it's fantastic, but there's really no unmet medical need or no need for that particular answer. But then also understand who you're trying to address the product to when you're doing product development. We are focused at Sherlock on the consumer. And, you know, when we look at something like the pregnancy test that's been out since the 60s, why has that test been on the market since the 60s? But where are all the other diagnostic tests until COVID came at the pharmacy? The reason that that pregnancy test was out there since the 60s is if you're pregnant, you either maybe don't want to be pregnant. And so you want to find out alone by yourself at home and decide on your own actions. Or you're really excited about becoming pregnant. You've been trying for a while and you want to find out at home and share it with your family before you decide to go there. And so that's, that's what drives that customer's excitement. There's privacy and it's personal. And so, you know, we've done a lot of work always here at Sherlock, but I try to do it in any job I'm at, understanding who your customer is, define it, and then ask them what they want. Because a test that a consumer would want may not be a test that a doctor would ever need. And that's important. As far as people goes, I always think it's important to understand that you have to understand what motivates people. It's not an answer. Like, what motivates people? <laughs> like, what it, what it really is, is that each person has different motivations. So what motivates me may not be what motivates somebody else. And so I always think it's like, like when I came into Sherlock, I met every single employee one by one to understand the person I told you, which was, what should we do differently? But also, what motivates them? Like, is it the success of our company? Is it their own contribution? Is it monetary? You know, is it motivation of the fact that like we're a company that's focused on global health equity, bringing solutions around the globe, not just high-income countries like like the U.S.? Is it, is it our mission that drives you? And what type of job uh, excites you? And try to find that, that win-win where you marry up 
those motivations to the role of the individual so that they're happy in that job and put them into that role. Don't put them in a role that they're not going to be motivated by. I think that's key. And we're all different. And diversity of thought is very important. I think another really important area for strategies for really harnessing the power of people is driving people's curiosity. One of the things we have in Sherlock is we have written on the board, be curious. And it's something that I think is important because if you just do everything that you're told to do, then you're not, you're not thinking about why am I doing it? And, and, and is there a better way to do it? Is this the only solution? What's the problem we're trying to solve? And, and what, what are you working on? Uh, I always tell people, ask what other people are working on, because when different people learn different things, they have new ideas. And so that curiosity is important in all aspects of our life, you know, whether that's, as, uh, as we've talked about before, the innovation that we have here in the Boston region, whether that is academically driven here, but also you know, whether that's in your company. Uh, every day, you should be asking, why? You know, why am I doing this? Why are somebody else doing something? And what are they doing? And, you know, over time... If you're curious every single day, together, we will make new things happen and new innovations will come on a daily basis. Brian, life science is critical to our region's robust business growth. What are some of the key lessons and insights that you have about the industry and what are the trends that you are watching carefully? Number one, you know, with Harvard, MIT, all the universities we have here, Boston University, I mean, like, this is a hub of universities, right? Like, I haven't even counted. I've lost count of the number of universities that are right here in Boston, but it is huge. And so the mind power in this region is, is incredible. And so the innovations that we have coming out of Boston just never end. I, for one, thought... Oh, as a geneticist, I, I, I must be up to speed with the science. And then I came to Sherlock and we were talking about engineering biology, you know, synthetic biology. And I'm like, what is synthetic biology? I mean, I do know what it is, but like, what, what is it exactly? It's like, oh, we can engineer anything to be made by once we detect DNA. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Or these innovations are great. You know, CRISPR here at the Broad Institute came out of this area and we were able to harness that. And so... I just think that I couldn't say what the one specific innovation is. It is just an endless stream of scientific innovations, new companies. But I think what differentiates Boston from many areas is it's, it's still small. Like when I think of Silicon Valley, which is the other big biotech hub, and I've been in the Bay Area, I've lived in the Bay Area, it's just spread, spread out everywhere. But in Boston, it's like all right here in one area. And everybody is working side by side with each other, talking to each other, sharing ideas, having coffee, you know, uh, integrating with each other and moving around. And so that like energy and hustle and bustle that comes with innovation, I think is incredible and really leads to a, an accelerated pace of innovation. I'm excited to be here. I always wanted to come to Boston for decades and I'm glad I finally was able to to move here five months ago. So it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I think it's cool then that my next question, what do you love most about this region and about our city? You know what? I love the people. Everyone is, is real. I, uh, you know, not to say anything negative about my home area of California or whatever, but here <laughs> people don't hesitate to tell you what they think. Like they'll tell you, like this, like I, I'm all about transparency, as I said, and they'll tell you, I think that's not right. Like they'll, they'll say it in stronger words than that, but you know, this is not right, or this is what this is what you should do or not. So there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of strong opinions, and no one's bashful about sharing those. And I think that creates a conversation, a real conversation that leads to, as I was saying before, innovation and changing the way that we do things. So I love that. And then on a personal note, 
I do love the East Coast because I love the Four Seasons. You know, growing up in San Diego, everybody thinks so San Diego is beautiful, but it's like Groundhog Day, the movie, where every single day is 70 degrees, it's sunny, and you get bored of it after a while. We're here, like we just had our great snow this last week, and I want more of it. It makes me know what time of the year it is. The years are passing. I'm looking forward to the next season. I'm appreciating this. I appreciate life every day. So that's that's like a personal joy that I have of just looking out the window and, and experiencing life for what it is. Even one degree, right? Like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cold day, but hey, my, you know, my wife is from uh, Montreal and you think that was cold. Like it's always colder somewhere. Brian, you talked about motivation. What motivates you? What motivates me is, as I said, is change, is disrupting. That's why I led by that, by my one characteristic. But I really like to change the way things are done. I'm not one who just thinks that the, the way it has been done is the way that it should be done. And so whenever I can be involved in any company or any, any technology that's actually changing the paradigms, paradigm shifting, that's what excites me. And once I'm excited, then I'm just like driven. I'm just like this like energizer bunny that can't stop working towards that, that mission to make that mission come to reality. Uh, because I want us to change. We have to always change. And, you know, and, and that's just not changing the world or the technology, but changing as people as well. We have to always look inside and, and see where we can be better and, and, and try to change ourselves every single day. And, uh, and, and so I think change is what drives me. Change and disruption. We'd love to close with some rapid fire questions. So you ready? Come on. All right, here we go. Off the top of your head, what are you currently reading, watching, or listening to? Uh, right now, I'm reading Alexander Hamilton uh, by, uh, was it Ron Chernow? Chernow? Uh, I think that actually the Hamilton, the musical was based on that book or whatever, but I find his life uh, fascinating and, and, and how to harness a new entity and make it actually a reality with all the difficult decisions that had to be made. Absolutely. We're thankful for that work as well here in this country, 100%. That's, that's what I mean. Like, you know, you, you want to create a country, but there's a lot of things that have to happen to make that actually successful. And it takes some people like him to, to, to make some of the hard decisions that no one likes, but bring everybody together to, to make them happen. Who's a Boston leader organization that you watch or follow? You know, Jim Collins is a person who's a founder of Sherlock, but somebody who I love his enthusiasm. He's at the Wies Institute and Harvard and MIT. I don't know if you guys saw, but he, he just like creates solutions. Like he created a mask that as you breathe, it collects what you're breathing out, exhaling. It captures like COVID sampling right there on the face mask and then uses like our chemistries at Sherlock to then change the color of the mask and the readout to show that whether you're positive or not. Like, wow. what, a, what a cool way of using technology to solve a problem. You know, as you're wearing masks every day, you get the answer of your diagnosis as well um, on, on a daily basis. Like, that to me is cool. And, uh, and so every day, Jim comes up with more and more cool things. And uh, I, I just love talking to him. And I love what's going on at the Beast Institute. Uh, they're not just trying to solve problems, but they try to bring that, that problem that they're solving all the way towards the market and the solution, uh, which is great. What's a cause that you're passionate about? I'm passionate about many causes like the environment. I've, I've been very passionate about that um, in many parts of my life. I'm passionate about you know, global health, which is a big mission for ourselves here at Sherlock, really helping everyone and bringing technology everywhere. 
I'm also very passionate about mental health. I've been on the board of NAMI. I've been in many mental health companies. I think that mental health is important and our brain is as important of an organ as any other organ and we should treat it as such. And so I'm a huge proponent for mental health as well. Yeah, incredibly important in these times that we're all going through and, and having those, that support. What's a favorite spot in our city? Uh, right outside the condo I'm renting right now is Ring Fountain on Surface Street. I don't know if you saw that. It was right by the aquarium where the water just spurts up and all the kids run around and, and uh, take photos into the steam. And, and, uh, and I can look out my window at it every single day throughout the seasons, like I was talking about, and seeing people when it's like only 40 degrees and they're still playing in the fountain at nighttime at two in the morning. I just find it incredible. The kids are loving it. It's just great to watch. It's one of my favorites. Uh, that's, that's a great spot. It's right around the corner from my view as well. What makes you laugh? Uh, my son. I'm lucky to be a, a proud new parent. My son is four months old tomorrow. And every day I, uh, I see him uh, when he wakes up or when he goes to bed, giggling, laughing, you know, different things. He makes me laugh. He's just kind of new and unique things every single day, which is just a fascination. And I love it. It's exciting every day at that stage. Absolutely. And at any stage as well, I will add. <laughs> and finally, what's a wish you have for Boston? I wish that Boston will continue to have its great innovation success scientifically. It's a hub. It will continue to have up be a hub. I, I think it's uh, I wish that it has continued success. I think it will. And it will thrive. And then on a small little personal, as I mentioned, for me from San Diego, I wish they had better Mexican food. Uh, <laughs> you know, no offense to anyone, but you know, it's it's not Southern California or uh, or, or others. Uh, it has great Italian food, um, but uh, North End is right there. I mean, you can walk right, right down there, to it. Right? Yeah. Fantastic. So we'll have to put that on the list. <laughs> Disruptive, transparent, forward-thinking, and always curious. Brian DeCaro, thank you for joining us today and sharing your perspective. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. It's a pleasure. It's, and uh, we're happy to come on anytime with you again. Thank you. I'm Carolyn Jones, and this is C-Speak, the language of executives. Our guest today was Brian DeCaro, President and Chief Executive Officer of Sherlock Biosciences. I'm John Bernstein. You can find PNC C-Speak at bizjournals.com backslash Boston or on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time. You've been listening to PNC C-Speak, the language of executives. This podcast and other engaging episodes can be found at bizjournals.com slash Boston. Search PNC. Subscribe at the Boston Business Journal, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Come back soon and join us for another PNC C-Speak.